And honestly, then I had a baby. Then I tried again. Why did you do that? I don't know. Ruins everything. This is Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I'm Barry Liga. And I'm Morgan Baden. Let's get started. So, Barry, let's talk about what's new since we last recorded. Sure. It has been two weeks. Yep. As promised, we are on a two-week schedule. We're here. Can't believe it. Of course, like the last two days, I've been like, can we skip? Can we delay? Let's do it tonight. No, I'm kidding. I haven't. (laughs) Um, So let's let's talk about what's happened in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I did something cool. You finished a book. I finished a book and sent it off to my agent. Yes. Let's talk about the feelings with a capital F that happen when you do something like that. I mean, F is the appropriate letter. (laughs) Do you get... Like, how do you feel when you turn in something? And also... I acknowledge this is a different kind of turning in. Yeah. Um, And for some backstory, this is a manuscript that has been rewritten four times, five times. Yeah. I mean, we should tell people this is, this is the second book you wrote that I read. Yes. The third full length. The third full length Original manuscript I've ever written. You ever wrote. And I read it and, uh, and I really liked it. And this was a long time ago. This might have been. Five years ago. Was it five years ago? Yes. Okay. And, uh, and I thought it was great. And you just weren't having luck getting an agent. I was getting a lot of full requests. Yeah. Um, and then some really good rejections, but yes, rejections. Yeah. And then I got an R and R, which is a revise and resubmit from an agent. Had a great conversation with that agent, revised it. And he was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but in a little bit of a meaner way, but but that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't cool. Um, and honestly, then I had a baby then I tried again. Why did you do that? I don't know. Ruins everything. I'm kidding. I love you. Love you, kids. Um, but but I had I very much had a uh, an inability to think about this book right while heavily pregnant, and then of course while having a newborn right. And then I worked on it some more because I wasn't quite ready to give it up. I queried it again. I mean, when you say you worked on it some more, you basically sort of took it back to what it had. I been did because. The because agent who'd asked for the revisions basically said, oops, my bad. You broke your butt. I, I, I made you make it worse. Yes. So you sort of rolled it back. Almost almost word for word, that is what he said. Yes. So yeah, so I rolled it back to the original, but made some changes. Um, and again, took it out, got some really great feedback, but no agent. Yeah. So then I was officially like, okay, I am done. Right. And then we wrote The Hive, and then I... The past year, I've been working on something else, which is just about done. And then you intervened. I decided to poke my head in. You did. Yeah. Tell me why. You know, um, a friend of mine who is an editor had tweeted, um, you know, editors do this a lot. Agents do it too, where they just tweet out, here's what I wish somebody would send me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that and he had a list. And one of the, 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 the number one item on the list, I was like, oh, that's sort of like Morgan's book that I like so much. And so... Unbeknownst to you, I called him up and I said, hey, would you be willing to look at my wife's book? Um, it's really good and yada, yada, yada. And he said, sure. So I figured at this point I should tell you what I had done. And you went ahead and sent it to him. And, and then what happened was 
we should point out that then he was like downsized out of his job yep. and, and left so, that so, publisher. So that, that, that just disappeared. But before any of that happened, I happened to be chatting with, with my agent, who's now our agent since she represented you mm-hmm. on The Hive. And I, I joked, I said, oh, you know, I, I played agent today because of, <laughs> and I told her what I'd done. And she said, why don't you let me look at this and, and take care of it? Like, why don't you just let me actually yeah. agent it for yeah. her? And I should say one of the, um, well, and so I gave it to her. This was sometime in the winter. Yeah. I gave it to her. And I should say I've known all along that there's a plot problem in this manuscript. And that's what's always been very difficult for me to solve. um, Mostly because it's been difficult for me to figure out what the problem is slash was. Kathy, our agent, used to be an editor and is very editorially minded and read it and said... I have some thoughts and gave me some serious thoughts Yeah, that made me look at the book in a whole new way um, and made me, I think, help solve some of those plot problems. So I've been spending um, the past few months rewriting this book yet again. Yeah. And finally, on Tuesday, I turned it in to her. And so now... Now we wait. Now we wait, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about... It was so interesting... All last week, I knew I was going to finish the book um, by Monday, Tuesday. And so even though there was still work to be done every day last week, every day I approached it with excitement and with a little bit of giddiness and optimism because I knew I was almost done and I felt like I had really done it this time. Like I'd really fixed it this time. And then I sent it to her on Tuesday and my whole outlook changed (laughs) for the worse because I felt very uh, suddenly I was just full of doubt. Yeah. And I, and I still am. And I was wondering, like, do you ever get like that? Like, are you ever sure that you've written a great manuscript and then you turn it in and you're like, who am I kidding? I am always supremely confident (laughs) in my genius. No, um, the, the, the best example I can think of is the first example, because when I turned in uh, Fanboy and Goth Girl, um, we sold it, and then I did revision, very, very minor revision. And turned yeah, it yeah, back shut in. up. No, it's just first <laughs> books. I mean, um, and, uh, and, and, and then did copy edits, and, it, and I was really deep into Boy Toy mm-hmm. by, by that point in the fanboy process. And I had just finished Boy Toy, and I guess I got the page proof for fanboy yeah and so i had to read the book for like the 18th time and i just went oh my god this is terrible (laughs) this is such a bad book and i remember i called my editor and i said can we not publish this book it's terrible (laughs) i have another book called boy toy it's a good book why don't we publish this one Uh instead because fanboy is horrible and a piece of garbage and she said barry it's a fine book. Uh-huh. Calm down. <laughs> I wonder how many newbie authors she has had to handhold yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Um, so that that was definitely the worst expression yeah. of, of that. Usually... It's a pretty good one to call up your editor and be like, cancel this yeah, book. Yeah, cancel the book. Cancel the book. <laughs> just because I say so. I just can't stand it anymore. Um, I know better than the 40 people at your company who have looked exactly. at Exactly. <laughs> I know better than the people who approved the, yeah. the quite generous advance that you got me. Um, yeah. So... But generally, when I turn it in, you know, I've sort of realized that, that when I write a book, I am writing it to see if I can write it. Huh. I am writing it. It's like a personal challenge. 
can I, can I get through it? Can I see my vision through? Can I get to the end and does it work? Mm. And once I feel that way, this is why I have trouble with revision because once I've finished it, I'm like, Oh, I did it. Right. Done. I know it's not perfect, but it doesn't matter. I proved I could do it. I'm done. What's next? And as a result, you know, when I get revisions, I'm like, what, why are you making me work on it? I, I proved I could do it. Like, it, it works. It, no, I know it's not perfect, but, but I proved the concept. Yeah. Leave me alone. Let's move on to the next thing. So, you know, generally, that's, that's how I feel when I turn it in. I'm like, yeah. oh, I did it. I'm yeah. done. Um, I, I do know that there have been a couple of books that I have turned in where I've felt, ooh, I don't know that that was the best. Ah thing I could have done. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Um, you know, and in a couple cases, the editor came back and sort of confirmed that and uh, said, Oh, you know, I feel like this needs a lot of work. Let's yeah. do this, this, and this. And in some cases it was just me being, mm-hmm. being nervous or, yeah. or doubting myself or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know that I have a lot of advice yeah. for you here, except that Kathy doesn't really sugarcoat a lot of things. Yeah. And if she thinks you screwed the pooch, she'll just tell you. Sure. Well, of you course. Know. Yeah. But that's what I'm scared of. I know. I no. know. I know. Now, you know, I kept saying, um, listeners, so you know, uh, I mean, I was done with this book. Yeah. But I also really loved it. And it's very strange to think that, okay, now I've spent the last eight weeks completely reworking it again. And what if it's for nothing? Right. And I, I just wonder, like, are there, think of all the, the careers where someone puts so much time and work into something only to have, have it not come to fruition at all. And, you know, my attitude about that has changed pretty dramatically. Yeah. Um, I used to feel a great sense of regret for the things that I spent a lot of time on that never came to anything. Mm. Um, the first two novels that I wrote before I wrote Fanboy that have never gone anywhere yeah and a couple of other projects that i invested a lot of time and energy on and then just ultimately sort of laid there um on the one hand i I try to look at it as what did i learn from those experiences which is absolutely the mindset that i'm going into this with and and on the other hand you know the one of the cool things about the internet is that now there's there's information out there about just about everything you can imagine and i seem to stumble a lot upon stories of creative people talking about the things they never got to do. Yeah. Those are great stories. And it's like every creative person, no matter how successful they are, has that thing. They just, just didn't work out for whatever reason that they tried and couldn't get done. Yeah. yeah, You know, and, and, and so it makes me feel like, Oh, this is part of the process. Yes. This is part of what we go through is we try things and sometimes, sometimes we fail and we can't fix it. Yeah. And I think, I don't like that because it, it, time is a precious commodity. Mm-hmm. And so it feels pretty bad to think I spent X amount of time. I, I did this many rewrites, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think it's just one of those things where you really, you look at it as this is what I learned. And this is the story I'm going to tell in an interview someday. When about they say, Tell it, us right. about the, the one that got away. The right. Thing, yeah. You know, well, what's your dream project that you never got to do? Right. And you get to say, oh, I had this one book about <laughs> I keep, I said to you the other day, one of the reasons I hope this book sells is because I would really like to tell the story of it in an interview someday. I mean, the story of the book itself is a a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of process, I want to talk about the fact that 
our house is filled with 80s music these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know whose fault that is. <laughs> Barry's new book, um, which hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, so we're breaking some news Breaking here. news. Yeah. Um, we'll, just just... Say, we'll just say, to, to be coy about it, that there is a, an important element of the book that involves the 1980s. Right. And as a result... You've really been really getting, what is this, method? Yeah, like this method is writing. method writing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I've been basically exclusively listening uh-huh. to 80s music and some late 70s, um, which is crazy for a number of reasons. The craziest of which is that Bruce Springsteen just dropped a new album about a week ago, and I haven't listened to it you yet. You haven't? Oh my no. gosh, that's shocking, shocking I, to I me. I have not listened to it yet. But this is a new thing, right? You don't yeah. normally listen to music while you write. You know, I used to. I used to listen to music all the time. Okay. And I used to try to sort of match up. I, I don't want to be precious and say I had playlists for each book. Some people do that. I know some people do eh, Whatever. Um, I, I didn't do that. But, you know, if I was right, if I knew I was going to be writing, like, say, an action scene, I would try to throw a lot of rap on. Uh-huh. Because just the bass line and the, the driving bass of it sort of just got me yeah. pepped up and got me energized. Uh, when I was writing Goth Girl Rising a million years ago, um, I listened almost exclusively to female musicians. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that actually had an influence on the book. Yeah. Um, and so for this, I'm listening to a lot of 80s music. Yeah. And it's definitely impacting the book. But I usually, I, at some point, I fell out of the habit of listening to music yeah. while I wrote. And I think it was around the time we had kids. Okay. I was going to say I hadn't narrowed it down to a... A moment in time. Yeah. But I also used to listen to music while writing. And then sometime in the past couple of, I don't know, two or three years, suddenly that just became such a distraction. Yeah. I actually credited it to you because I used to, for example, only be able to fall asleep if I had the TV on. But, <laughs> oh, I remember But that. when I met you, you didn't have a TV in your bedroom. And... Obviously, therefore, did not fall asleep with the TV on. Unless I was hanging out in the living room. Exactly, yes. And you accidentally did it. But um, but so I learned to not. And like, I don't, we don't have a TV in our bedroom now. Right. And um, now I find it super distracting. And I, I certainly have the TV off a lot more just in our house in general. Right. Whereas I used to listen to it as background noise. And it's funny because when we were setting up your office, yeah. like I specifically put a TV in there right. for you yeah. because I figured you would want the TV on right. as background noise while you're working. Uh-huh. And yet I don't think you've used it I once. I have not used it once. Yeah. Um, but it is funny because I did not, like I said, listen to music at all while doing these revisions the past two months. Yeah. But I'm going back to the manuscript that I had left in progress uh, on Monday, and I was just thinking, like, oh, I'm excited to pick out some songs to play. But you said something really important there, I think, which is that you weren't listening to music while you were revising. And I think revision and drafting are two different brain processes. Mm. I think, I think, no matter how much you like to listen to music, it would be very distracting to listen to music while revising because while you're mm. when you're drafting you it's it's very much a flow yeah stream you of know? consciousness it, sometimes it's, it's just it's just you start at the top of the page and you work your way down to the bottom yeah and um whereas revision is wait on this page i did this let me go back five pages and wait where was that scene and yeah. did this happen and it, it's it's much more intricate and mechanical i was just gonna say you're putting a puzzle back together yeah. And yeah, you need different parts of your brain for yeah. that. So I, I mean, I 
you know, I'm listening to music while I'm I'm writing right now, but I cannot imagine listening to it when I'm revising. While revising, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I um, never did. Even even when I was listening to music all the time while writing, I never listened yeah. while I was revising. Yeah. Do you know what I did for my very first full-length original manuscript? Uh-oh. I, it was called The Seascape Summers. Of course it was. Of course. That got me my first agent, but there's a whole other story there because that agent turned out to be like essentially a fraud. Yeah. We're going to have to get, we'll have to do like a whole episode we of should. agents at one uh-huh. point. Yeah. I have a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, but when I, I had booked myself a weekend away, this, again, pre, pre, pre kids, pre marriage, when I had the luxury yeah. of doing things like that. I mean, this was before we met. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and I bought a few teen magazines and cut out pictures oh my God. of who I thought the characters best represented. Wow. And like some, I essentially created a mood board, but like not on Pinterest the way people do now, but actually real life cutting stuff out of magazines. Wow. Yeah. That's it was, wild. It was really fun. <laughs> I had, you know, I, when I lived in Las Vegas, I was working on a, a book that was supposed to be the beginning of a massive, sprawling, epic series. Um, but, you know, there aren't publishers out there that are willing to take a chance on 10 books from me at this point. Jeez. Um, and, uh, and I was trying to keep everything straight in my head. And when I lived in, in Vegas, I had a two-bedroom place, but I was the only one there. Yeah. So the second bedroom was my office. It was huge. And I had this one big blank wall. And I literally, I went out and I bought a map of the place where my story was taking wow. place. And I had pictures from it. And I, 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 I was crazy red string guy yep, uh-huh. on the wall. Like I had uh-huh. everything up on the wall and like lines going from this thing to that thing wow. and circling things and all that. Um, and you can tell it was hugely successful because I sold that book and I'm a <laughs> multimillionaire from it. Um, it was funny when I moved, I had to take all that down. <laughs> I bet, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'll never figure out how to of put this back on the wall again. Did you take a picture of it? Um, I, I honestly don't remember. Okay. Not I, even I, necessarily yeah. to reconstruct, but just, but just to, to see it. Yeah, that's it, funny. Yeah. Let's move on. I wanted to give a quick update on The Hive. Yeah, The Hive. We've had some reviews come out. Yes, we've had three reviews. Yeah. Uh, School Library Journal... Uh, Kirkus and Booklist. Correct. Yes. All good reviews. Yes. Um, None of them used the phrase flaming pile of dung. Which made me feel nice. I, which, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, I wanted to get your thoughts on reviews generally. How do they make you feel? Have you ever had one that's like blown your mind either for good or for bad? And also, do you think they like move the needle at all? Do they matter? You know, the, the thing to remember is that reviews, whether they are from a, a source like a magazine or publication or just from a reader in general, they're not for the author. Mm. They are for other readers. And in the case of some journals, they're for professionals. Like, for example, Booklist and School Library Journal are aimed at librarians, telling them, here's what this book is about. Here's what you need to know. Here's whether or not you should buy it for your collection. Um, and, you know, Kirkus and Publishers Weekly, those are for uh, bookstores to let them know. Here's what this book is about. Here's whether or not you should put it on your shelves, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, that's a hard thing to remember because people send them to you. Right. <laughs> Even though they're not for right. you. And you're expected to know what they are and you're expected to sort of use them and refer to them and point people to them. Because it's, you know, if it's a good review, that's good news. Yeah. And you want to get the news out. Um, it's it, it can be difficult. I mean, the I remember my very first review for my very first book was horrible. This really? Hated oh, it. it was a reader review? Yeah, okay. yeah, it was a reader review. Hated Fanboy and Goth Girl. Wow. Um, and 
and I just felt horrible. It was the, it was literally the first time somebody other than someone from my publisher had commented on the book. Wow. And it was this is a bad book. Wow. And um a year or so later the same reviewer loved Boy Toy. Uh-huh. Gushed over Boy Toy. And then years after that waxed rhapsodic about I Hunt Killers and how much she loved I Hunt Killers. And at the end of the I Hunt Killers review said, "You know, I love this and I love Boy Toy and I didn't like his first book, but maybe that was me and maybe I should go back and reread it." Wow. And I just thought that was that was a level of self-awareness and, and kindness and generosity that you don't typically see online. Yeah. So that, that was very nice. That, that felt nice, you know, six years later, seven years later to see that uh, and be able to go, okay, so ma- yeah. ma- maybe it wasn't really bad. In right. The um, do you read reviews as a reader? Like, do they matter to you? No. no. About I mean, other books? They, they matter to me only insofar as we all get sort of sucked in by a, a tasty, sexy blurb on a cover. You know, like if I see the words, you know, an astonishing debut, sumptuous and gorgeously written mm-hmm. on a book cover in quotes and then Kirkus or Publishers yeah, Weekly after yeah. it, I'll go, oh, really? Right. And yeah. I'll give it a, now it doesn't mean I'm going to buy it. Sure. It just means I'm going to give it another look. Okay. And that's the whole point. Yeah. You know, that is the, that's the whole point is to get you to look again. Yeah. Um, and, and perhaps read the flap copy. And then if you like that, maybe you look at the first chapter right, yeah. and then maybe you buy it. Yeah. Um, and then it's that whole idea of, um, it takes seven times for someone to actually receive a message. Right. So like, then you're in a bookstore and it's on an end cap and right. then you see an ad for it in EW and yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think, I think in that regard, yeah, I'm influenced, but not in any sort of compelling way, but okay. just in, I'm willing to take the next step now. Along those those seven yeah, days, you know, yeah. okay, now I'm up to three. Right, right. <laughs> you, yeah. you got me to, now. You got me to four. Right. Let's see if you can get me all, all the way to seven. Yeah. Um, but you know, reviews. I, I am trying to, I am trying to uh, to not pay as much attention. It's not healthy. It's not good uh, because you can get 500 five star reviews. And all it takes is one, at that point, one four-star review, and you feel <sighs> like miserable. Garbage. You yeah. feel like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it's it's one of those things where you can read a review that says wonderful things about your book and then says, but, you know, this, this, one, part, was only this okay. one part was just okay. And you go, oh my God, they, they hate me. It. I'm going to yeah. kill myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I've been considering, this is probably TMI, but I've been considering blocking Goodreads from... Uh, from my IP address on our house network. So you can stop so stalking I, so it? So I don't look at it. So I can't look at it. Oh, that's funny. Because Goodreads is one of those places where, number one, they have people reviewing the book before it has come out. Yes. Like, before it even exists. Right. And Goodreads is me. problematic yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Goodreads, you see so much enthusiasm there. And there are so many people who, you know, will be like, I love this. Five stars. And for no reason. Yeah. You know, and you're just like, that's great. I love that. But then you get people who are just, just... They got a bone to pick with you. And yeah. Like, I, like the most hurtful review I ever got was for Boy Toy. Um, and it was on Goodreads. Somebody, it was, this was before I even went on Goodreads. Somebody mm-hmm. said, oh, people are talking about your book on Goodreads. So I went and I looked. And this review was a long review of Boy Toy about how horrible it was. And it basically started with, um, I've never met him, but after reading this book, I know Barry Liga hates women. Mm. And then proceeded to explain why I hate women sure. based on this book. Misinterpreting, like... Basically everything about Naturally, the book, as yeah. people do. And this is when I coined the uh, the saying, oh, you read every word I wrote, but you didn't read the book I wrote. Uh, and 
it was it was just hurtful. Like, yeah. Like that. Like I felt like this was before Twitter. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. That's on the internet. Right. People can see that. Somebody <laughs> said that about me. Now I'm like, we whatever. Go look that up. Whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I just again, it's not for the author. Yeah. That's not what it's for. Yeah. And I'm like, so why am I looking at it? Right. And but it's difficult because sometimes you want that endorphin hit. Sure. So you go on a site where you think somebody might have said something nice. Well, that's it's also a risk. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's the problem. It's a risk. Um, you go, you you go to drink the the glass of vodka, yeah. and it turns out it's just water. <laughs> like that's not cool. What's striking me most about the the sort of trickle of reviews that we're getting, yeah, is the how the long lead time of publishing really messes with my head. Yeah. Which again, I knew. I've worked in publishing for 11 years. I knew this was a thing, but it's like the hive in particular that was put to bed so long ago in my head. Like I've processed it, moved on. I've written two manuscripts since then. And yet now I feel like I have to keep revisiting that world because now the rest of the world is finally seeing it. And that's such a trip. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, when you sit down at a signing or something and people yeah. come up to you about your book and you're and they're asking you questions you're and you're like, like oh, I don't remember. Like, Especially I, me with my like, memory. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're like, dude, I wrote this two years ago. Uh-huh. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Any, like, I don't written, remember what I, color Cassie's I've written like was. five books since then. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I, it's I don't re- know. It's really just a trip. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It definitely messes with you. There's no question. So what are you reading these days there? Um, right now, I am reading a book called Equations of Life by a gentleman named Simon Morden. Um, it's sort of near future uh, urban sci-fi set in a world where there has been some unspecified apocalyptic event. Okay. Uh, you kind of get the impression it was a nuclear war. And all of London is now called the Metro Zone. And it's like, basically like imagine like a city-sized refugee camp. Thanks. But there are also people... Like who are incredibly privileged, like, yeah. basically like Japan sank into the into the ocean as a result of this war. But like now, like this Japanese mob has moved into London and taken over, and and it's just it's really interesting. And huh. like you get these hints about weird things are happening in the United States. Like yeah. nobody wants to deal with the United States, which is kind of reflecting the present. Yeah. Um, and it's a very interesting book. I realized as I was reading it, I'm like, this name is familiar, and I looked it up, and sure enough, he had written a book I read about a year ago that I. Did not like at all. I was uh. very, very, very disappointed by this book. Um, this one, Equations of Life, I'm enjoying much more. I'm almost finished. Um, but I, I made the mistake of, of turning to the Also by This Author page okay. at one point. And this is the first book in a series. And I'm like, I like this book and these characters are interesting, but I don't think I want to read a series about them. Yeah. So I'm worried that I'm going to get to the end and it's going to be... Very unsatisfying because yeah. it's going to lead into the next book. Let's put a pin in a series conversation sure. because I have thoughts. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What are you reading? I am in the middle of two books right now, both new releases. One of them is Thanos. <laughs> Shoot. No. You guys, listen. I have Thanos, not yet before read. Before Thanos came out. She's I like, have I not yet Thanos. read Barry's Thanos book. <laughs> Sobbed my way through the Avengers movie. Haven't read the book my husband wrote about it, so... Spoiler alert, he dies. (laughs) Uh, I'm in the middle of two books. One is The Art of Breaking Things by Laura Simpson. Laura is a friend of mine. Yes. We had... uh, We met each other years and years ago in... Oh, actually, she read The Seascape Summers. That was uh, the first writing workshop I went to was when I was writing that book. Okay. Um, Look at that. We're bringing it back. I know. It's like we planned Uh, it. And... um, Oh, where was I? 
This is her debut YA. I'm super excited, and I truly just started it the other night. Uh, and I'm sort of alternating between that and another book, um, an adult lit fic called Toby Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodesser Ackner, who's a staff writer for the New York Times, which is what they're calling a marriage novel <laughs> because oh, it's, about, it's, it's about marriage and divorce. Um, and it's really, really compelling so far, not in a like serious grim way, mm-hmm. but in a very sort of witty way. So, um, so yeah, so I'm getting sort of two different workouts for my brain right now, but really enjoying them both. Cool. Yeah. How do you read two books? Like, seriously, I mean, I... One eye goes on this one, and the other guy goes on that one. That must be like a twin superpower <laughs> or something, because I can't do that. Different books for different moods. Really? Yeah. See, when I start a book, I just got to plow through. Yeah. And my sister once texted me and my twin sister, um, because we are, my twin and I are, are heavier readers than my older sister. And she was like, I'm worried about my daughter, who was like eight or nine at the time, because she is in the middle of like six books right now. Is that normal? And Kelly was like, yeah, I'm in the middle of seven. <laughs> and my sister's like, oh, thank goodness. Well, then I don't know if we can call that normal. Yeah. All right. It might be twin normal. Yeah. But... No, it's, it's just about different moods. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, we're going to wrap it up here. Visit us at writinginreallife.com where you can read show notes for each episode and also leave comments and offer suggestions for the show. Find us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And be sure to visit us on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.